The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building resilience. Talking trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. Difficult conversations and bringing hope to listeners. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia on W4WN. Good morning, Australia, and good evening, America. You're listening to Radio Tony, and I'm your host, Tony Lontis. Um, I'm trying to manage yet again to live stream Facebook, manage Skype, and talk live on the radio show. So today, with the world in crisis, I just wanted to know how everyone's doing out there. I've just had a brief conversation with the wonderful Rebel, my uh, radio technician all the way over in the US of A, and she was delighted that the power had been off for three hours and she was actually able to go outside. So the Darling Rebel spends most of her time locked in a studio making sure we all get to air. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm this week so grateful that I get to come live uh, twice a week to you and talk to you. And what a wonderful opportunity to check on how everyone's going. Timber says, how are you doing where you are? Well, Timber, in Australia, we're facing increasing strict uh, rules around how we stay at home, how we work. We've seen a number of businesses close and we've had huge uh, companies effectively stop work immediately. So the unemployment in Australia is phenomenal at the moment. Our government is trying to support these people the best way they can and they've released stimulus packages and help for those that have lost their jobs. Um, assistance for small business but I think that even with all those measures we are facing a once in a lifetime position where many of us will be out of work many of us will be forced by virtue of this virus to connect with people online to seek out the technology that keeps us connected So I really want to know how everyone's doing. Do you still have a job to go to? What's your world looking like? For me here on uh, Radio Tony, I've actually been in self-isolation for almost two weeks now. So due to the fact that I don't have much of an immunity system, we decided early on that I would self-isolate and that's proved to be a blessing in disguise because I feel relatively protected from the impact of the virus, not saying that it won't affect me, but I feel protected at this point in time. And I know that a lot of you listening will not feel safe or protected. Um, And today, I just wanted to open up to you guys and just let you know that I'm here and all you need to do is jump on, send me a text, send me a message, let me know how you're doing and that you're okay. Um, I want to today encourage you to try and find the good things. A lot of people are experiencing anxiety and panic and that is normal and justified in these situations. And a couple of things that you can do when your mind starts to panic and feel uh, unhappy, 
just remember to breathe. And I know that sounds simple, but it's so important. What a slow, long breath will do for your mind and body is take your brain out of fight and flight mode. And that's what a lot of us are experiencing at this time, fight or flight mode. It's our body's way of protecting us and we're in the fight of our lives. So that one small thing, breathe in slowly and deeply and breathe out long and hard. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, apparently according to social media, that's one of the ways to do an early check for coronavirus is to take a deep breath Hold it for 10 seconds and breathe out. And if you cough, then time to take extra precautions. So again, I'm just wondering how everyone's doing. I'm hoping that you're okay. My uh, heart is hurting for the world's humanity. It's also feeling quite excited about what the world might look like after we get through this and we will get through this. It will be tough, it will be hard, but we will get through it. Um, And I see that the world on the other side of this may be a very different place indeed. And I'm hoping that that place that we find ourselves in is one where we are kinder, nicer, more grateful, more gracious, and what a wonderful world that would be. But not all of us are going to get out of this alive, and that's the thing that burdens my heart today. So I'm seeing lots of people joining me um, live on Facebook, and I'm just taking the time to say thanks, guys, for listening. Even though this show is going live across the world, it's wonderful to engage with you via Facebook as well in the first 10 minutes of the show. Uh, After we go to a break, I have a really unique speaker joining me today, and I'll tell you more um, about Nicola in the moment. But I just wanted to share with you, I'm grateful for self-isolation today. I'm grateful that we live in a rural space with lots of fresh air. I'm surrounded by my goats and my llamas who are just loving all the extra hugs and cuddles they're getting and what a wonderful thing that I can just walk down the back steps and cuddle my goats. I can't cuddle my kids. I can't cuddle my grandson. I can still hug my husband but other than that he's the only human that I can physically connect with at the moment. I'm pretty excited too that for the first time in about more two and a half weeks, we're getting grocery delivery tomorrow and that's pretty exciting from our perspective as well. Um, unfortunately, groceries are a thing that we have always had delivered but in the crisis, we have had our grocery delivery stopped and it's only just restarting. I'm really grateful for that. So listeners, I'd love to hear what you're grateful for today and I'd love to know how how you're all doing and if you're okay. Some of the listeners on Friday's show pointed out that some of their jurisdictions were in fact telling them to stay off the internet. Um, I think anyone who is telling you to stay off the internet is effectively disconnecting you from humanity and I think that that's bad advice indeed. The only way that we're going to survive this crisis is to be connected and connected by the technology that we have at our fingertips. So just quickly, a little uh, bit about our beautiful guest who's coming in this morning. Nicola Liskin is a national speaker and storyteller who brings together the practicality of Western science with the wonder and wisdom of Eastern spirituality and the heart. She holds multiple degrees, including a Bachelor of Pharmacy, a graduate certificate and uh, other prominent degrees. And her purpose is to inspire a more compassionate world. And that's why I'm so excited to have her on the show today. Because if there's ever a time that we need a more compassionate world, it's right now. She has experienced her fair share of struggles, including ending up on the operating table in 2011 with her rib cage broken um, and a uh, necessary. Um, heart operation. She's now a heartfelt speaker, 
a creator of HeartWise Leadership, EmotionWise and Unplug and Hug. Nicola is a consistently is consistently described as knowledgeable, engaging, uplifting and genuine. She has the knack of quickly connecting with her audiences and her warm, pragmatic approach ensures her participants leave with life-changing yet practical tools that can be applied immediately. So she is also passionate about street art. She's not a one-dimensional speaker, uh, but a clever, complex, captivating woman. And I feel really privileged to have her on the show today because she's such a unique human being. So we're going to pop over to a break. And when we return, we're going to have Nicola live on the show. Over to you, Rebel. Radio Tony, bringing social consciousness this time every Thursday evening, live from the Gold Coast, Australia, on W4WN. Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl, discovering a woman of strength and beauty, is the new book from Australian author Tony Lontis. Available in paper, ebook, and audio formats, Resilience is the true life story of Tony experiencing and surviving trauma, abuse, mental health issues, and the ultimate betrayal of someone she fell in love with. Available for download now through all good online retailers and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Anybody there? Hello, Nicola. Sorry, we've had a, just a little mix-up with our schedule. I'm sorry to do that. Welcome back to our listeners. I've got Nicola live on the show with me today, and I've been excited about this interview because what Nicola does in her real life, as opposed to this kind of isolated life we're all living out at the moment, is a very beautiful thing. She leads from the heart and promotes hugging uh, across humanity, and her story is incredibly interesting. So, Nicola, welcome to Radio Tony. Thank you for being with me live today. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, considering what's going on across the planet. So, spending time to make sure that I actually still do what lights me up. And I think that's a really important message at the moment that we need to also take that time. So, I've been outside, been for a walk, felt the sun on my face, um, you know, watched the, the sunlight dapple through the trees and go, you know what, there's a lot of good that's still there. I have to say, Nicola, I agree with you. Like I've been taking more walks outside around my property than I usually do. And from my perspective, I don't know if it's because the world is quieter, but the birds seem louder. There seems to be more of them. My goats are just deliriously happy and doing all sorts of funny things all the time. I kind of feel like nature is lighting up. I think it is. I think nature we needed a correction i guess is I, uh, I remember reading an article uh, by bill gates and he very interestingly wasn't referring to what's going on as a pandemic but more as a planetary correction that was needed it's a little bit like nature's been waving at us going hello you're not listening and now we are and i agree we're connected I- well, we're all interconnected and very much connected with nature as well. And we've got this uh, really incredible opportunity as well to tap into that, I think. And I'm, I mean, as you know, I'm I'm a tree hugger. I'm a tree lover. Yes. I'm outing myself. So yes. at, at this time, I am probably more consciously and more deliberately taking the time to spend that time in nature, really be present, really connect. And because we are connected with nature, we're actually wired that way. Uh It does actually help our nervous system and our our immune response as well if we spend that time in nature. Yeah. 
earlier in the um, program, I was just reminding people about the importance of breath and mm -hmm. how a long, deep breath can take you out of that panicked fight or flight mode that is wired into us as humans uh, to protect us and how the breath can take you out of that point and bring you back and ground you uh, into a current time and place. And mm. so I want to start today's show talking particularly about your story, which is very interesting. And you started out as a pharmacist and mm. are now a keynote speaker. And um, I just, that whole journey is fascinating for me. So I'd like you to start by telling our listeners about your journey from being a pharmacist to a keynote speaker. It's been a journey, twists and turns, I would say, all along the way. And yes, you're right. I did start my professional career as a pharmacist. My dad actually is a pharmacist and a lot of people think, oh, you followed in your father's footsteps. You know, it must have been something that you were inspired to do, the love of pharmacy. And I hate to burst people's bubbles, but it was a case of leaving school and having to fill in a university application and sitting at the, I can remember sitting at the dining room table Mum was in the kitchen and Dad was in the dining room with me and we were kind of going through the catalogue going, what about this? What about that? And pharmacy was just one of the options that I had a vague concept of what it meant because of Dad and it just happened to be the course that I got into and it did suit me very well for a while and I worked in community pharmacies. I managed community pharmacies. I worked at um, the Women's and Children's Hospital here in South Australia. I'm also a little bit of a gypsy, so I've travelled. I worked as a pharmacist in London, including the Great Ormond Street Hospital, which is the one that Princess Diana um, was kind of the ambassador for. And having done that for about 10 years or so, I started to realise that this this didn't feel like my calling. I didn't know what my calling was at the time. I probably at that time didn't even recognise that there was something bigger and that there, there was such a thing as a, a calling. I just yes. was not satisfied. And I think the, the key teller for me was, when I was starting to feel myself get impatient with patience and that was like you can't you can't be a healthcare provider in this setting if the way people are responding with their health was kind of irritating me at times you know yeah. the, the model that it, it the whole model didn't work for me it was very much a deficit model people are unwell how do we get them to kind of normalize and I was wanting more wanting more for myself wanting more for my staff for, for patients for customers but they were living in a different paradigm so yeah. it's that it's not that you're unhappy with what you're doing it's just there's something in the pit of your stomach that tells you there's got to be more than this it was a feeling and yeah. I know when I look back now I can very much put it down to it's it's the intuition it's your the combination of the instinct of your gut and the intuition of the heart the heart's intuitive messages going come on, this this is not you, this is not us. There is so much more that we can be and give, not have, but be and give and do and be a part of. So I think a yearning, I think, is probably yes, a really good, a good description. description for it. It's that yearning for something. And that's been um, a long-term journey for me of the journey of yearning, to, to find, to find that something that's going to help, help that. We'll call it YJ, the yearning journey. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So you had this feeling that there was more and they wanted to do more. Then what happened? Yeah. So 
looking at what options there are. And at the time, I was also, which also happens and, and is, is very human, you start to talk to people and sort of share this, I'm not quite sure what I want to do, I'm not quite happy with what I want to do. But yeah. at the same time, I had gone to university and got a significant qualification so the people that cared about me in my close circle were you cannot throw that away you know they'd be like oh my god yeah. you can't you've got a university education you yeah. can't throw that away so I kind of compromised and went all right I'm not going to go all out and go what else is there it was like what else could I kind of use my degree with and where could that take me and I ended up in the pharmaceutical industry to begin with which sort of seems like an oxymoron really but <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a different pathway it was like all right what else can I do and it was still in in the arena of providing care and I ended up working with a, a company that was doing really progressive uh, treatments for melanoma, myeloma, chronic myeloid leukemias. So we, it was a specialist area of treating cancer patients. So in that way, there was still a sense of we can make a difference here. And having seen that, having, um, you know, spoken, spent a lot of time with oncology nurses and seeing that difference. But it was, I ended up being promoted, going to Sydney, becoming a national training manager, actually for two pharma, big pharma companies. But I got caught up in the corporate world and yes. <clears throat> which you... Yes, it, I know what that's it, like. Which we toxic. do. And it is toxic and it was toxic to me and I ended up leaving and what was at the time a great um, validation is in the final role that I was in, I was, I was having massive headaches all the time. I was extraordinarily stressed with the workload I was trying to manage, but I'd been promoted into that role and I didn't have any concept of what a normal workload in that role was. And when I left the role, they employed two people to take over. And it was like, oh. no wonder I felt overwhelmed. It was like, okay. So sometimes, you know, I look back and I go, I should have, takeaway should, would have been nice if I trusted myself a little yes. more at the time and trusted my own instincts. And then I moved up to Queensland and mm -hmm. moved into academia and I thought, yes. now, you know, we'll, we'll get into this that real learning, inspiring students and making a difference. And to start off with, that was beautiful, loved it. And then again, higher education is a behemoth as well. So as I started to progress in that system, the system started to place pressure on me mm -hmm. and I was navigating that you know fighting that and we have as human beings that huge desire to belong and we're seeing that very much at the moment you know we're yes. very tribal creatures so within the school that I was in you know I wanted to belong I wanted people to think I was good I was professional and there were certain expectations of what that looked like and that was very much a research pathway and I hadn't come up through the system I hadn't come up I didn't have honours um, I, I didn't have that research higher degree I didn't have a PhD basically I would be going into meetings at quite a high level and I'd be the only person that didn't have doctor in front of my name yeah. and people looked at you differently and I was fighting that why do I need to have this for you to respect my opinion you know I'm yes. good at what I do I've got so much to offer I was winning teaching awards but they weren't considered as valuable as a, a research grant you know, there's yeah. all this that goes on if anybody 
works or has worked in a big university institution. You know, people are institutionalised in that system. Agreed. So, yeah. And then health. There was a, a massive health scare which really tipped my world on its head and that was in 2011 so well, tell us uh, about that particular part of your journey Nicola what what started and and what happened what happened was I developed ironically a cough and I don't mean to laugh but yes it, 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 it's at this time it's like Hmm, there's an irony in in that when I go back into my history. I'd been travelling. So over the the Christmas of 2010, I'd gone on an intrepid travel adventure tour to Cambodia for two weeks. It was the highlights of my my life with this this group and seeing Angkor Wat and the beautiful people experiences Mm-hmm. And I am, you know, forever grateful that I had those opportunities. And I came back with a cough and I thought, I didn't actually come back with a cough. I didn't realise that at the time, but the cough started to present itself after that particular holiday. And I was at um, university on campus preparing for summer semester, back-to-back summer semester teaching that I was uh ordered, um, employed to do with two courses. And I had this cough and I thought, this is going to be ridiculous. I can't lecture every day intensively if I'm coughing all the time. I felt fine. Mm -hmm. So I was really annoyed and took myself off to the campus doctor, Dr. Jane Smith, who didn't know me from a bar of soap. And I walked into her surgery and said, you know, hi, I've got this cough. And she said, right. And, you know, made me cough and listened to my chest sounds and she just paused and went I'd like you to have an x-ray and I'm like you know that classic eye roll like you're kidding it's it's a cough I've been overseas I'm a good pharmacist look I could let you know a broad spectrum antibiotic pick one of these just give me one of these I've got work to do yeah so thankfully um she didn't bow down. She said, no, you're going off for an X-ray. And then the following day, it was she, the X-ray returned and I'm sitting in my office and I got the phone call to say, look, could you come into the office? And again, there's a pregnant pause. And she goes, have you got anybody there with you? And it was like, really? You want somebody to come with me to that appointment? And immediately, you know, the wheels start turning. And I did. I happened to have another lecturer, a friend, um, Denise, who was in the office with me. Do you mind, Dee, coming over? And we did, and she put up the X-ray, and there was the, a huge white section on the X-ray, and I'm looking at her, and she's looking at me, and it's like, that's that's not normal, is it? And it's like, no. Um, we realised that there was this huge mass, mm. and... You know, to cut a long story short, in, you know, two weeks from there, I was on the operating table. I had major cardiothoracic surgery to root, to remove a 12 by 15 centimetre tumour that had been growing in the centre of my chest. And it was attached to my heart, it was attached to my lung, and it was attached to my thymus glands. So we had, you know, they cracked my chest open. I'm part of the zipper club, as they, as they say, but not for the usual reasons. Yeah. And they had to take away part of my lung and they put a little patch on my heart, on the pericardium, sort of the, the yes. uh, muscular coating of the heart. And that patch comes from a cow. So I've got a bovine patch on my heart. <laughs> and I often say yeah. one of my lines in my talks is, you know, when I get cranky, I can literally say to people, well, you do know I've got a bit of cow in me. <laughs> that's the bit that's coming out now. <laughs> oh, that's oh, funny. Oh, but you you managed to get through that and you have 
uh, not had any cancer return since 2011, correct? Correct. I've had, you know, five years of um, CT and PET-CT scans to determine whether or not there was any regrowth or any metastases that had occurred and given the, the all clear five years after that. But as you also know, Tony, yes. that is a, a massive event that really made me stop and think about what is my life about or, and, and to be honest, more about how do I want to be in my life, how have I showed up and how do I want to show up. And that really started me more on the, the path of, spiritual growth and and development and there's got to be more and I come from an intellectual highly academic background which I think makes it harder to listen to that intuition I know for myself that scientific academia uh, I think that it makes it a little harder to tap in sometimes to that intuition and that inner calling, which leads me, I've got a um, Missy, one of our regulars, and Oliver, they're asking questions about your calling and how can we find our calling and does everyone have this calling in their life? What's your perspective on that, Nicola? I believe every person has been put on this earth for a reason so that there is a calling for everybody. Um, and we have to actually spend the time to be quiet and reflect on that. The, this, the idea of being busy and doing all the time is very distracting for our inner world to find the calling you, we really need to have that time to tap into our inner world and we have to slow down. We have to quieten down. Usually for people, the calling isn't uh, a huge loudspeaker. For some people it is, but for most of it, it's kind of a gradual, quiet. It's a knowing and it usually is preceded by a yearning. It's usually preceded by the feeling that something is, is missing. And if we're really, really busy and going 100 miles an hour, we're so distracted, we're not aware that something's missing. So this time actually is quite revolutionary on the planet because it it is forcing people to slow down and simply be. And then it's the, I guess, the openings or the access to finding those things is slowing down, breathing, meditation, spending time in nature, dreaming, journaling, um, those inward-looking, quieter practices where you're not trying to do anything. Yeah, and it's allowing because... The idea of seeking your purpose and seeking your calling, I don't believe necessarily works either because you're going into that seeking, doing mode. It's more about being open, aware, achievement, allowing. And, And what an amazing time we as humans have to do this work and that's while you were speaking i was getting goosebumps nicola at the thought of uh humanity that is connected with their true calling and true calling doesn't have to be some great big world changing thing you may just be called yes to visit the elderly your calling can be your family. Your calling can be, for some people, their calling is um, they they have a love of cooking and their calling is is around cooking and providing nutrition. But if you infuse your meals with love, people 
feel that. It's like they ingest that. They don't just ingest the nutritional value of the food. They ingest that that spiritual, emotional value of the love that's gone gone into that. And every, every human being that you impact matters. Everything you do makes a difference and there's a ripple effect. So if your calling is simply to you have, you know, one elderly neighbour that you can connect with and let them know that they matter, that that's beautiful. Yeah, I, I agreed. And, and many, many humans tapping into those sorts of callings, we would change humanity and the world as we know it. And again, I'm getting goosebumps at, at the thought of humanity being isolated and locked down for a decent period of time and what may come out of that the other side. So I know that there's a lot of people suffering out there. I know that there's a lot of t terrible things happening. But on the other side of this, and we will get through this, there could be such amazing growth of humanity, a world where people are kinder, more tapped into their purpose, happier, more loving. What an amazing world that would be and connected with nature, caring about nature, caring about each other. That gives me goosebumps. It does. And it's, it's how we are designed to be and it's like we've lost sight of that. We've lost sight of being human and being... And humans are meant to be... That. We're meant to be connected. We're meant yeah. to care. We're, that's that's how we're, we're wired to be. And, yeah, a lot of people forget that or have forgotten that and at this time it's fascinating to see the the kindness movements which are yes. the kindness pandemic on facebook is is a yes. beautiful place to go and hang out um it, there is and there's a a, a, a beautiful I guess, movement that started in the States called Humans First, hashtag Humans First or the Humans First Club. Mike Vacanti started that in the States. And their premise, they started it last, that's oh, been going about 12 months. Their premise is, you know, people first. Yes. In a business sense. But that's, that has grown and taken 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 on a new perspective now. And it's about, yeah, we need to, to put people first, but not in a how can we make more money, how can we acquire more, how can we, um, you know, be more powerful sense, but people first as in how can we care, how can we be more compassionate, how can we connect. Basically, how can we all lift each other up? And if, if we, we all can lift each other up, the whole planet lifts what can you do to lift somebody up that's exactly right which leads me to one topic that i really wanted to get to before we run out of time and that is the power of the human heart mm, powerful as which is all that we've been talking about really yes. comes from yeah. the heart the head is yeah. strategic the heart is if you think about the a lot of the really, really positive emotions like gratitude, joy, serenity, peace, love, they're all heart-based, yes. aren't yes. they? Yes. They're generated from the heart and they create a wave. But, yeah, it's because I, I straddle kind of science and spirituality and head and heart, I, I've got my, my, yes. my foot in both worlds. I'm fascinated around the discovery of the heart being way more than that physical pump and yes. 
um, it's been discovered that the heart has its own intrinsic nervous system. In, in fact, we have a cardiac brain. We have yes. a cranial brain in the head, a cardiac brain. We also have an enteric brain in the gut, and we've probably got more. Yeah. But the heart brain sends more messages to the cranial, the head brain, and to the, the body than it receives. It, it, it has its own short and long term memory you know it has its own consciousness it can feel and generate feelings and it has a memory of its own so when we talk about really dropping down into your heart and operating from that partly it's metaphoric but partly you're actually tapping in think about it as tapping into a separate nervous system into a separate brain that has a different operating system and it is more concerned with doing what is right for you and the higher good, whereas the strategic brain is not necessarily at that higher good level, whereas the heart won't always tell you what you want to hear. That's why it can sometimes be challenging for people because it's like I get this sense that I need to go out and do this in the world but logically it doesn't make sense and that's because the ego and that the 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 mind is kind of tapping in going no no whereas if you can kind of follow that impulse and just do it and just do it and it's a flip instead of strategically thinking with the mind you know all right it's if i give the, the the analogy or metaphor that comes to mind currently would be the brain would go we need to connect with people at the moment you know i need to reach out okay so you'd you'd get you'd go into your contact list or you'd get your excel spreadsheet or you write your note on all the people that you know in your life and you'd probably go from those that you know really well to those that are more acquaintances and you'd go down the list and you'd ring them yeah that's a, that's and that's wonderful but the heart way of doing that would be going on impulse to go who do i feel like reaching out to today and if yes. you sit quietly there will be somebody or there will be a couple of people and it might even be that's weird that's a colleague that's that's not my family that's not okay ring them 99 times out of 100 when we do that you are just the person to say just yep. the thing that that person needed. And they go, oh, my God, I'm so glad you rang. Um, you know, I was just thinking about you or what you have just said has just made such a difference to my day. That is kind of an example of you operate from the, the head or you operate from the heart. And you can do both. You can yes. go on intuition and impulse and have and then go oh, do that and then write your list of everybody in your life and look at that for the next phone call and go, who, who's jumping out now? Yeah, yeah, and that's basically the answer to Jim's question. He says, can we really operate from that place? Absolutely, Jim, absolutely. We absolutely can, and it's not that we let the mind go. It's not that we dismiss it. I am very cognitive um, as well and I embrace that side of myself as well but it's leading from the heart and having the mind or your cognition be in service of that so you you have the impulse to do something at this time you kind of honour that impulse and then go well okay mind how am I going to execute that I really feel like I want to be involved with the community more and maybe it's you know the kids are going to be home from school I want to do something with that okay that's the impulse don't ignore it then sit sit with that for a little bit yeah that's what I want to do you might get a a a brainwave and an idea or go with that and then go all right mind what can I do how can I do that I'm going to go with my heartfelt impulse that goes Everybody's working and supporting the elderly. That's wonderful. But for me, the impulse isn't there. It might be with another group. Then go to the mind. How can I do that? What could I do? Yeah, yeah. That's how you kind of practically, practically kind of. And it does take it does take a bit of practice 
because once you've been operating and in the level of your brain um, that is logical and rational, it takes a little while to start listening to that heart brain and the quietness, the quiet way that often speaks. So that and that feel, yeah, and and people will get you get those kind of, I guess, intuitive hits in different ways. You know, some people mm-hmm. get a real feeling sense, which is more my way. Some people are auditory, um, yes. so that they actually kind of hear a phrase, a word. Some people see. It depends. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they kind of see an image. You know, they yes. will be in meditation or just, you know, in a walk in nature, there'll be a really strong image and it goes, wow, you know, and it's like, which tells them something. Um, for me, but the it's, thing that, yeah, go on. For me, it's I will be doing whatever I'm doing in my day and I will uh, think of someone that I haven't necessarily thought of for a while and it and I, and there'll be a strong pull for me to connect with that person. So that's the way my heart brain works and it yes. can be different from everyone. From everyone. It can Nicola, be different for everyone. And I think, yeah. We are um, <laughs> into our last four minutes. I can't believe it. And I'm, <laughs> I'm I really wanted to talk to you about Tree Sisters, <laughs> but we're having such a wonderful conversation about uh, intuition and, and your um, heart brain, and, and I think that that's important. These sorts of things are the concepts that people have the opportunity to explore now that we're so much in isolation or perhaps we may have lost our job or uh this is the opportunity in to focus on some of those things, take yourself out of your current um, trauma and sadness and disillusionment and panic and fear for the future and start to think about some of these things and explore um, what that might look like for you. So just quickly, Nicola, tell me about Tree Sisters. Three Sisters is a fabulous uh, organisation started by Claire Dubois in the UK, treesisters.org, and it's about um, a feminine nature-based leadership combined with reforestation of the planet. So that it's connecting as human beings with nature and reforestation. So I'm a a tree sister and I contribute to them every month to support them and they are a beautiful beautiful worldwide group that is is growing so highly highly recommend if anybody's interested to just hop online at treesisters.org that's again like we have so many opportunities to explore some of the things that we've not uh, thought of before and what a what a great time to jump on and, and have a look at that website. And incidentally, um, Nicola, before we run out of time, I want you to tell everyone about your website and your website address before we run out of time. I've actually just put Nicola's uh, website up in the chat box for those that you are on chat today. But over to you, Nicola. Yes, so it is. It's Nicola at NicolaLipscomb.com. It's there. Love to have anybody email me as well, which is um, Nicola at NicolaLipscomb.com. I do a lot, well, in this current climate, not so much speaking, but I also do uh, coaching work with people. And if anybody would like somebody to hold a heart space for them to be able to share and connect i would um you know be absolutely love to hold space for people in a different way it's not a cognitive space it's a very embodied heartfelt conscious caring space for people to help them um attune and to calm down and find that that little that little bubble of joy 
uh, that life force, that essence is still there and love to be able to help people still find that at this time. Yeah. And, and sometimes we need a bit of help. And um, knowing Nicola, she is the beautiful person that you hear on the radio is the same beautiful person you get when you email her or connect with her via the website. So for those of you listening who are struggling, please reach out. You can reach out to Nicola um, on her website, Nicola Lipson. Dot com and I'm going to spell that for you. It's N I C O L A L I P S C O M B E dot com and just reach out. I encourage you all to keep reaching out in these tough times when you're in isolation, when you've lost your job, reach out to someone. There's so many wonderful people who are available for humanity at large at this time and I encourage you all to reach out and start exploring some of these big, bigger concepts whilst we have the time. We may not have the time again in this lifetime. So my wonderful listeners, we are completely out of time. Nicola, what an absolute pleasure to have you on Radio Tonya today. Thank you for making time to speak to us live on the show. Um, And we look forward to connecting with you all next week. And um, stay safe out there, everyone. Thank you so much, Nicola. And bye for now. Thank you. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations. Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony. With Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio 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 Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mom!